everyone, and welcome to the Nine Leaders Podcast. Um, thank you guys again for listening. Uh, yesterday was a super fun episode. Uh, I enjoyed making it. I hope that you guys enjoyed that content. And looking forward to getting deeper into it with you guys today. Uh, so a couple little housekeeping things. Uh, nothing really new, but we'll just hit it again in case you didn't hear yesterday's episode. Uh, Friday, we will have Liz Orr of Rude Ass Enneagram on the show. She's going to talk about her journey with Enneagram, kind of what it means to her, how she's been able to use the system and find a lot of success in that. So it's going to be a really cool episode. So we will not uh, have a live video on Friday because of that, because it's going to be done over Skype. And so we will see. I've never recorded over Skype before, so apologize if the audio quality is not completely brilliant, but I'm going to do my absolute best. I think it's going to be really cool to have her on the program. If you are in the Colorado Springs area, Tuesday nights at 6.30, I've been teaching an Enneagram class at Discovery Church Colorado. So tonight is the 23rd of April, and we will be talking about the one. So it's 6.30 at the Discovery Church in Colorado Springs, Colorado. Um, you guys are welcome to come on out to that. It's totally a free event uh, and we're going to keep doing that till we get through all of the numbers. So I'll keep plugging away at that until we are done with that group so you guys don't show up and the group's not actually happening. Um, yeah, if you guys are interested in any of the services that we offer, such as the one-on-one -on -one coaching, the spiritual direction, the, um, the leadership coaching, uh, or having me come and teach a class with your organization or with your small group or anything like that, shoot me an email at wade at nineleaders.com and we will talk about what we can do to make that happen, exactly how that setup looks and how that works for you. So wade at nineleaders.com. Also, if you'd like to be subscribed to our mailing list, I send out a weekly newsletter just letting everybody know kind of what's going on in the world of nine leaders. And again, just email me wade at nineleaders.com and I'll get you guys signed up for that. And then lastly, again, if you're listening to this on Apple, um, on the uh, iTunes store, it'd be super helpful to me if you would uh, rate, comment, and subscribe to that podcast. It just helps us get a little bit more, um, more visibility on the store. All right, so that is enough of housekeeping. Let's jump into today's content. So yesterday, we talked about how eights relate to other numbers in the anger triad. We talked about how they relate to other eights, how they relate to nines, and how they relate to ones. That's the, that's the full anger triad. Today, we're going to discuss how they interact with numbers in the shame triad. So that's twos, threes, and fours. So I just want to reiterate from yesterday, there is no such thing as an inherently uh, bad pairing. Um, all types can be compatible with other types. All relationships have difficulties. All relationships have strength. It takes mutual effort, respect, and admiration for any relationship to actually work. So if anybody says like an eight and a four is, a, is an inherently bad relationship, that's just not accurate. If both types are self-aware, uh, they can be really healthy together. Same with any pairing. If the two are self-aware, then it can be a really healthy, wonderful relationship. And that's true outside of the Enneagram. You have to be self-aware of your own stuff, your own patterns to make any relationship, whether that's professional, personal, romantic, work. You have to be aware of yourself, your own triggers, your own motivations, that kind of stuff. So there is no bad pairing. And Likewise, there is no inherently good pairing either. It's all about how aware all of the types are. All right, so let's jump right in. We're going to talk about eights and twos. Twos are the first number in the shame triad, and they are known as the helper. Um, so this is actually a really common pairing that I see a lot, eights and twos. 
um, in the Tuesday night group that I'm currently teaching, there are three married couples that are eights and twos. Um, this relationship can be profoundly altruistic, or it can be uh, a relationship of codependence and, and uh, really unhealthy enabling. So both types are action-oriented. They're looking to change the outside world. Uh, as I've said, under all the aggrandizing and the apparent aggression of the eight is a really um, deep and compassionate and loving person, a person who deeply loves and cares for the people around them. And twos share that compassion, but they show it a little bit more clearly. So similar to how the eights and the nines complement each other, eights and twos complement each other as well. The eight is direct where the two is indirect, and the, the eight is confrontational while the two tends to be non-confrontational. The eight's aggressive while the two is passive. So in balance, this pair can bring what's needed to a situation. They can create a really caring, safe, and protective environment for the people around them. And they have this kind of good cop, bad cop dynamic that really makes everybody feel safe. Twos, also more than any other number, are going to be able to see the ways that the eight is actually self-sacrificing and compassionate towards people. Eights also oftentimes will feel kind of unseen in this compassion and love. They have it and they feel it and they're aware of it, but they really struggle to show that love and compassion for people. And so they feel really unseen in that. They feel like a lot of their efforts to, to love people are unseen. Twos have this ability to, to see that in people without it having to be expressed. So twos are very good at seeing eights, which is something that eights really, really appreciate. So a two becomes very much a welcoming harbor to a tired and misunderstood eight. So this difference in approach can kind of be a strength as long as, as it's kept in balance, but it can also become a problem. Eights are way more self-focused than twos. Twos are very focused on everybody around them. So what an eight might end up doing is is taking and taking and taking and taking while the two is willing to give and give and give and give until the two slowly starts to resent the eight. And the two's aversion to conflict and fear that the eight might abandon them will lead them to tolerate um, fairly abusive situations and, and lead them to becoming codependent with the eight. Uh, and eights might take this, this tolerance and this giving nature as an endorsement of their cruel behavior towards other people or even towards the two themselves. Uh, this encouragement could, could promote even worse behavior and all the while a codependent two is going to enable the eight by continuing to defend their, their negative behavior towards others. So it can be a bit of a, of a volatile situation if those things get thrown out of balance and resentment enters into the situation. So let's talk about eights and threes. Eights are, um, sorry, threes rather, are the, uh, the achiever. So this can be a really, really cool beneficial alliance similar to the eight and one. They're going to get a lot of stuff done or it could be a really unhealthy and fierce competition. So both types demand attention. We talked about eights walking into a room and owning it when they walk in. Threes are very, very similar. Uh, both command respect and both command authority. So when an eight and a three with all of this energy and all of this, this dominance and all of this um, moxie come to terms with one another and learn to inhabit the same space, they can become a really powerful force. Uh, eights will challenge threes and threes will continually rise to that challenge. This makes eights feel safer with the three. Eights are, are strong and capable, and, and they hold space really, really well, which makes threes feel safe to be vulnerable, which is something that can be really hard for a three. Um, 
this this pairing will get a lot done without ruffling too many feathers. We talked about how the eight and the one will get a lot done, but they're going to kind of steamroll people in the process because that's sort of what both of those numbers do. Uh, an eight and a three will get a lot done. And the eight's going to execute all the tasks and push forward with all this energy. The three's really good at running the political end of that game. Um, eights aren't great with people, but threes are. So this will help them to clear obstacles and achieve their goals time and time again without just running over people in the process. However, if the eight and the three can't come to terms with one another and they don't learn to inhabit that same space, it'll become a massive competition. Eights will overtly try to dominate the situation through these displays of power and dominance, while the three is going to be more subtle and covert and still try to dominate the situation, but they'll work with people one-on-one. -on -one. They'll kind of start bringing people over to their side, and this is going to arouse suspicion in the eight, which will lead to a continued deterioration of trust. And the two are going to constantly try to one-up each other, and communication breakdowns will occur, and not much is going to get done outside of what the individuals can accomplish. So if you have an unhealthy eight and an unhealthy three on a team, they're going to get a lot done trying to one-up one another, but they may not actually get stuff done that the team itself needs to get done. So let's talk about eights and fours. Fours are the romantic or the individualist. Uh, so this can be a really deep, creative, and intense relationship, or it can be really violent and, and abusive. This actually has a lot of propensity to become a physically violent uh, relationship. Both numbers are extremely intense, and both numbers in a weird way seek dominance. So eights seek a social dominance, and fours seek a deep emotional dominance. Eights view fours as a challenge. Fours are kind of mysterious and difficult to understand in social situations, and eights enjoy the challenge of solving them. Um, likewise, fours enjoy the game of being solved. Fours enjoy being um, mysterious and challenging, so they kind of feed off each other in that way. Fours also view eights as a challenge. Um, the natural intuition that fours have tell them that there's a lot of emotional depth to be offered by the eight, and it's a fun challenge to try to get to understand them. Uh, fours will depend on eights to offer them security and safety, while the eight will count on the four to offer them challenges and excitement. Uh, when it becomes unhealthy is that both types are pretty irrational, and both types are pretty emotional, and both types are pretty reactive. Uh, and they both also seek to not be controlled. Eights hate being controlled, and fours hate being controlled. So once one senses that the other one is trying to control them, the situation can really rapidly turn bad. Uh, both types also enjoy saying and doing things to get a rise out of other people. I'm a four, so I can totally own that I do enjoy saying and doing things just to get a rise out of someone. Um, so when a four tries to get a rise out of an eight, the eight's going to meet that challenge every single time. Uh, they're giving the four exactly what they want. So this creates this really unhealthy cycle where both parties will instigate fights just for the excitement of it, just for the, the energy of it and the passion of it and the depth of it. Both really want to feel deeply and intensely. And sometimes instigating a fight is a quick shortcut to getting to that excitement. Uh, this can quickly escalate into um, legitimate, literal, real, physical violence. This is a very... Um, uh, relationship that's very prone to to physically attacking one another on, on both sides. It's not the eight towards the four, the four towards the eight. They can just be really uh, aggressive towards one another because they're searching for that intensity. They're searching for that um, that that big depth, that big feeling, that big moment. So that is eights 
and the shame triad. Um, hopefully you were able to glean something from that and get something interesting out of that. Uh, like I said, before I started on this, um, this experiment of talking about the relationships between numbers, this is experimental content. I haven't rolled this out to anybody or taught this to anybody yet. So y'all are the test case. So I would love and appreciate any feedback you guys have. Leave it on the Facebook page, leave it on the Instagram, shoot me an email, wait at nine leaders.com. Um, this is, this is very much a, uh, testing of this material. So any feedback you guys have is greatly and deeply appreciated. So, all right. Thank you guys so much for listening. Remember Liz or on Friday tonight, 630 free Enneagram group. This is April 23rd. So if you're listening to it on a different day, it's not tonight, but it'll be on Tuesdays at 630. Um, rate, comment, and subscribe. If you, um, uh, enjoy this content. If you enjoy the podcast, it would be lovely if you would do that for me. Thank you guys so much for listening. And I will talk to you tomorrow when we dive into how eights relate to the shame triad. Talk to you then. Bye.